Hello, my name's Alex, and welcome to Alex Listens, a podcast about philosophy and politics and race and mental health. Today's episode forms part of a series that I'm going to be recording um, over the next while, and the series is called the Social Justice Series. Now, one thing that I'd like everyone to know is that this series has been incredibly taxing to think about, incredibly taxing to record, incredibly taxing to put into the public space. And one reason for these feelings that I have is because I am a racialized person. I come from a minority background and often it feels like the expectation and the responsibility and the onus to educate and teach and call people out falls on the minority individual and the minority group and the racialized person. And this is not right. And I don't want anyone for any moment to think that in me recording this, um, this is something that I really, really want to be doing. Um, Talking about social justice is something that I really care about and something that is uh, very intimately connected to my personal experience and to my identity, but it's hard. It's hard to do it. It's hard to have these conversations and to record podcasts like this when it feels like there is an expectation that people like me do all the heavy lifting. And so... I guess with that in mind, there's a question that I want you to think about as you're moving through this series, the social justice series, and that is whether or not you should be paying for these episodes. So I suppose all my podcasts are free, but there is something about the nature and the content that I'll be covering in these episodes that makes me feel like I should, I guess, ask all of you to think about whether or not, given your position in society, whether or not this is something that you should be paying for. If it is something that you think you should be paying for, there will be links in my bio to pay, to PayPal and to Patreon. There are also links on my social media, at AlexListens, um, and on my website, www.alex.co. And I think that's all I need to say in terms of payment. Um, now, Two brief comments on the content. First of all, these episodes will cover content that is no doubt traumatizing and upsetting and distressing and challenging. And so in whatever way uh, possible, this is a content and trigger warning for what will follow. There'll be themes of racism. And um, I guess, you know, when we talk about things like cancel culture and accessibility and inclusivity, we know that it sits in the context of everything that opposes it. Um, And finally, I just want to make it very clear that I am always, always, always open to discuss uh, anything with anyone at any point. So if there's something I say that you don't agree with, if there is something I say that um, you, you don't think was phrased properly, If there's something I say that you don't think is appropriate, please know that I am, I'm not 
a rigid and fixed thinker and that I am always, I always want to engage in conversation with people. Um, and so just keep, and I, I encourage all of you to, you know, as, as much as possible to have a similar attitude when exploring these themes. Um, as we'll see, you know, one great problem when navigating the social justice space is rigidity and being fixed in your opinions and um, not not allowing yourself to be open and vulnerable and accountable. Okay, so let's get into the first episode, which is on cancel culture. So I thought the best place to begin would be by trying to propose some kind of layout for this episode. And so what I'm going to do is what I'm going to do when talking about cancel culture is first talk about the definitional problem. Then I'm going to talk about the purpose of cancel culture, whether it has any. And then I'm going to talk about some lessons that we can take away from the discussion and that we can take away from the kind of presence of cancel culture in our society. Okay, so the first thing I said I'd talk about is definitions. So what is cancel culture? So a quick Wikipedia search will give you um, a definition saying that cancel culture or call-out culture is a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles. Okay. Um, those subject to this ostracism are said to have been cancelled. The expression cancel culture has mostly negative connotations and is commonly used in debates on free speech and censorship. Okay, so that's what we get from Wikipedia. So there are a number of parts to this, some of which are helpful, some of which aren't helpful. I guess one thing, um, one thing that comes up immediately is the idea that cancel culture is a form of ostracism and ostracizing people. Now, I guess this is where the this is where I want everyone to be hesitant when it comes to spending time defining what is cancel culture, what is canceling someone, um, and kind of moving on with you know, the actual social implications of what has happened for someone to be cancelled. So I think that there is a lot of time that's wasted on the discussion of what constitutes cancelling, whether cancelling is good or bad, and this kind of stuff. And I think that, there, of course, there is some um, necessary conversations to have about, you know, whether whether cancelling someone, ostracizing someone, you know, what implications that's going to have for the community, what implications it's going to have for the person. Um, but really, I don't, I don't think that that is the central thing that we should be paying attention to um, in response to someone being cancelled. I don't think that's the primary issue. And that's because I don't think that's what is at the heart of cancel culture. And I, I don't think that's what's driving it. So, I think that if we go back to the Wikipedia definition, um, it says that it has that cancel culture has negative connotations and is used in debates on free speech and censorship. 
So no doubt cancel culture has negative connotations. Um, you know, any kind of Google search will end up will situate you, you know, in the context of amazing kind of reporting from all sides of the political spectrum. Um, everyone with a different opinion on what cancel culture is, whether it's good, whether it's bad, how harmful it is, how good it is. And so there's, you can, you can see how, you know, it, the kind of idea of cancel culture can very easily have negative connotations because for the person who thinks that anyone should be able to say anything, anyone should be able to act in any way, um, they're not going to like the, one of the kind of central features of cancel culture, which is accountability and the kind of movement towards social justice and equality and outlining, you know, what a community is going to understand is good behavior, acceptable behavior, and what a community is going to understand to be, you know, unacceptable and immoral behavior. Okay, so hopefully what's coming through by now when I'm exploring the kind of definition space of cancel culture is that I don't think that this is where we should be spending most of our time because I think that the that what cancel culture represents and how it should be explored and thought about isn't in terms of semantics. The thing that cancel culture, the the driving force behind cancel culture shouldn't manifest in communities spending most of their time trying to figure out whether or not it it is right for someone to have been cancelled or whether or not it is wrong for someone to have been cancelled. Because I think most of the time, um, most of the time, cancel culture and the kind of, in scare quotes, cancelling someone isn't impinging on freedom of speech. I don't think that's what it's doing. Um, it isn't kind of taking away people's liberties. It isn't saying that you can't act in a particular way or that, you know, that there is a kind of censorship. There is a censor that kind of the left is censoring, you know, certain things that are being said and being done and that people are trying to control ideology and this kind of stuff. That isn't, I don't think that's what's happening. I think that when when people move into the realm of using cancellation and cancelling and cancel culture to describe something that's happened or when someone says that someone has been cancelled, I think that it's a mistake to have a knee-jerk reaction to can- to the, the existence of cancel culture. So here's, here's how I think we should think about what cancel culture is. Um, so I don't... What I think is that we shouldn't focus too much on the kind of on coming up with a really neat definition of what it is, but we should understand cancel culture as a phenomenon that's emerged that has allowed people, that has given people language to say about some people or about some ideologies that X is not acceptable here. Why is not acceptable here, and there is going to there are going to be social consequences if ideology or act X and Y is reproduced or perpetuated by someone. So, I guess in other words, I think that 
at least how I understand the utility of cancel culture. I understand it to be useful in the sense that it gives... When someone says that someone has been cancelled, it, it signals something. And it signals that there that people are hurting, that there has been harm done by a perpetrator or a group of perpetrators and that there are victims on the receiving end of this harm. Okay, so I'm sure there are a number of questions that follow this and I'm going to try and kind of dissect a lot of the big questions. Okay, so one question that you might have is, You might think, okay, using language like cancelling is very extreme and it means that there is no room for debate and discussion. Maybe that's what you think. In reply to that, I will say, I don't don't know of an instance where someone has been cancelled so severely that they weren't able to kind of articulate their own experience or articulate their own opinions. I'm not aware of that ever happening. And I'm not saying that it hasn't happened. I'm just saying that in my experience as someone who is part of a community where this language, cancel culture, this kind of stuff is is used regularly. And I guess, you know, there's a, there's a, side, a side note here that's very important. And that is that for, for the vast majority of the world, language like cancel culture and canceling and and kind of social justice. This isn't even like a regular part of discourse. This isn't part of the vernacular and the language that people use. So I guess one thing to keep in mind is that this cancel culture as a phenomenon only exists within a, I think it probably only exists within a a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of of the global community. Okay, so now back to the what I was talking about before, which is an argument that some people may have against cancel culture, which is that it is this radically silencing phenomenon that kind of fully strips someone of their position in society, they're fully ostracized, blah, blah, blah. So I guess in reply to that, I'll say, I don't know of this happening too much to people, Um, And I guess maybe when it does happen, uh, it's because someone has done something horrific. It's because someone has done something so harmful and so reprehensible and so damaging that I guess there is no space for that in the community. And I guess cancel culture, cancelling that person is just one, one of the many mechanisms one of the many defense mechanisms that individuals have, um, one of the many defense mechanisms that a community can have um, for kind of designating certain behavior or certain ideology as welcome in the community and other ideology and behavior as not welcoming, uh, not welcome in the community. Um, and I guess, you know, one, one important distinction or one important thing to keep in mind is that I guess cancel culture and canceling people is, I think, mostly done by the community and not by the state. Um, And that's an important thing to think about. So I think this is why I'm hesitant to fully, fully knock cancel culture back and say that cancel culture shouldn't exist and it isn't a way that we should describe things, blah, 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 because 
I think that there are many ways that we can conceptualize cancel culture as something that is that gives communities a framework. I guess there are many ideas that we can draw from cancel culture. I'm not saying that we have to kind of keep using the language of cancellation and kind and this kind of stuff. But I think there are many elements of cancel culture, especially the kind of empowering ones of giving people language to giving communities language to designate certain things as acceptable and other things as unacceptable. I think that is so powerful. Um, and it, it kind of, it's, and this is like, you know, I mentioned before the distinction between the community and the state, I guess this gives the community some kind of control over what is happening in their community before, you know, things are kind of before the state intervenes or the, the penal system intervenes or the kind of, you know, psychiatrist intervenes. Um, yeah, so that, that is, that is one, that is one thing to keep in mind. Um, and I, I was talking about, you know, the kind of criticism that someone might have of cancel culture being this really totalizing silencing of someone. And I said that, you know, I think there's, there's an issue with thinking that way because it isn't, it isn't true. Um, I don't, I don't know of, I don't know of a social mechanism so powerful, I don't know of a social mechanism so powerful that someone is totally denied the capacity to kind of voice their opinion and their thought. Okay, so that's that's my response to that, that I don't think that it's true that someone being cancelled means that they are, that they are so ostracized and so kind of removed from, you know, the, the position they held before that they are no longer able to kind of be a member of the community or whatever. Now, I guess the next question we should have or we should think about is, you know, if... Okay, so I guess when I'm talking so far, when I've spoken about cancel culture and cancelling and this kind of stuff, I have assumed that um, the people, when I've said, you know, someone has been cancelled or, um, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a perpetrator or perpetrators and then there are victims, um, I've assumed that there has been harm that has been done. And I think that one question that we need to think about and one question that I'll talk about now is what, um, how should we react to hearing language, to hear people use language about, how should we react to hearing someone, to hearing a friend say that a person has been cancelled when we're not kind of, um, you know, intimately connected to the kind of sequence of events or history of interpersonal relations that kind of produced, um, that manifested in the cancelling? What should we do in that instance? Um, so I guess one very, very important thing to do is to, to think about solidarity and support. And this is where I think, um, cancel culture and canceling 
can be conceptualized as a, a, a really helpful signal that someone, that someone feels unsafe or someone feels, um, like they have been, someone feels harmed. Um, someone feels like there has been something very transgressive that has occurred. Um, and I think this is a way, this is a way in which cancel culture gives us a very clear framework for understanding harm that harm has been done. And so when we hear that someone, when we hear someone using language about a person, that they're canceled, that they have been canceled. And I guess, you know, they explain why they've been canceled. I don't think the debate should be about the following conversations. I don't think they should be about whether cancel culture is good or bad. I don't think that, I think that's a mistake. And I think it's probably going to end up in like just a lot more kind of vitriol and hatred and resentment growing between people. I think that what should follow when we hear that a person has been cancelled or that there's a move to cancel someone, I guess assuming that there are legitimate reasons for doing this, um, there needs to be a few things that happen. One is, I guess, there is community solidarity and support for the victims. Um, And at the same time, there is kind of community uh, rejection and disavowal of the act or ideology or combination of act and ideology that produced the that ended up in someone or a group being cancelled so essentially I think one of the first responses to hearing the use of language like cancelling and cancel culture Um, is that we should respond with support and solidarity and it's an opportunity and this is where this is where the next episode that I'm going to talk about will ask some interesting questions because when someone is cancelled I think that one very important thing that needs to happen is that the community needs to make it clear what it stands for and what it will protect and what it won't accept. And now this is where the this is where we run very quickly into the issue of virtue signaling. And this is a sense this kind of opens up the debate of cancel culture in a way that I can I this is a way that cancel culture becomes problematic because there can be a snowball effect that kind of where one person, you know, especially on social media, one person says, you know, cancel this person and then people join in without, without, you know, having, um, without having an understanding of what has happened and so on. And I guess this is where the line between solidarity and I guess, virtue signaling, so kind of just reposting something in order to signal your, to show that like, you know, that you fit in or something. This is where the line between genuine solidarity and kind of reposting um, something is a very important line to consider because if, okay, if cancel culture, if cancelling someone is about keeping is about moving a community towards the ideals of social justice. So equality, 
accessibility, inclusivity, safety, diversity. If this is what cancel culture is striving towards, if this is what it's trying to do, there's a way in which people can support that can kind of signal their support for the move towards social justice without believing it, without actually taking steps to contribute to the safety of the community or to the development of the community or to the kind of, you know, um, drawing of boundaries around behavior that's acceptable, ideology that's acceptable and behavior and ideology that isn't acceptable. Okay, so this is this is quite a, a complex and abstract topic because this is where kind of philosophy becomes helpful. Um, and I don't want to kind of take this down the path of philosophy, but very briefly, I think there are two ways that we can think about virtue signaling. And I'm interested in kind of opening up a discussion of which one. I think I know which one is more important, but... You know, I'm interested to see what what my listeners think. So I guess the first way of thinking about, so let's say someone gets cancelled and there is a big kind of community response where everyone is posting about it and sharing stuff. Let's say this happens. There's a sense in which, there's a sense in which this is, this will be a good thing for the community to show its support and to signal its support and the sense in which this is a good this is good is because it's drawing a boundary a very firm community boundary around something that's acceptable and something that doesn't that isn't acceptable that's the sense in which kind of any virtue signaling is helpful and then there's the kind of then there's another sense in which virtue signaling is a kind of dark and misleading and nefarious act. And that's where people are reposting and sharing and tweeting and commenting things, not because it's actually what they believe, not because this is a something that they really care about, but because they want to fit in. They don't want to be seen as being associated with the person who was cancelled. And this is where you can kind of see how cancel culture can be inverted into this self-preservation thing. This thing about prioritizing one's own integrity and dignity and, and social standing and, and this kind of stuff. And I think this is where very quickly we can identify a potential problem with the way that cancel culture is being conceptualized because when when someone hears that someone is being ca- that someone has been canceled and their immediate response is to think about it in terms of how they are implicated that is where we reach that is where i think virtue signaling is problematic because it isn't I think for social justice to be something that people are promoting and are trying to achieve, it people can't think about diversity, inclusivity, equality, and this kind of stuff in terms of, from the point of view of themselves. They can't think about it from a self-centered perspective. That's a mistake. 
I don't want to condone that because I don't think that that is in the long term going to be productive of genuine change, genuine ideological normative change. Okay, and and why why don't I think it's going to be productive of genuine ideological normative change in the long term? Because if people are just reposting stuff because they want to fit in, they're probably going to repost anything if that's what enough people are talking about. If enough people are saying, you know, let's kind of get rid of X, then the people who are virtue signaling and they're doing it just because they want to fit in, they're going to say, yep, let's, let's not, let's not support X. So I think that when, when we respond to someone, to language, like someone's been canceled to this kind of stuff, our response should, we should try and, and respond obviously primarily with care and and make sure that, you know, the, the victim or the victims are safe and that they are protected and that obviously, you know, the, the transgression is something that the community doesn't agree with. But I guess the individual members of the community, there is a responsibility to kind of situate. I think there is a responsibility for the individual to understand where their motivation to kind of to cancel someone and whatever that actually means, where the motivation for that comes from is extremely important. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if you kind of contribute to the canceling of someone because you want to fit in and you want to be like everyone else, I think you've, I, I really don't think you're approaching it in, in the right way. I think the right way is that we should be aiming at things like diversity and equality and fairness and social justice, these kind of things, that should be the priority. And when there is a breach of that, when someone transgresses a boundary, when someone fucks up, that we should call out that behavior and, and we do it, not because everyone else is doing it, but because we understand that this isn't something that we want in our community. And I think that I think that I think this is a really important distinction and and I think this is something that I want I, I'd really like to hear people uh, talk about more um, okay uh, so what else did I say I'd talk about um, so I said definitions purpose and lessons so I think I've kind of covered the definitional issue and I've discussed the purpose of cancel culture I guess very briefly the purpose, I think, is to for a community to determine what it will support and what it won't support. And now finally, th- there's... Yeah, and now finally some lessons, some takeaway lessons. What can we take away from all of this? I think one thing we can take away is that if, if you kind of agree with the way I've navigated the landscape, one thing we can take away is that when we talk about cancel culture, the definitional problem isn't a very serious one. The kind of semantic problem isn't a serious one. We can call it whatever we like. I guess canceling has quite strong connotations, but presumably someone is canceled because they have done something that is severely wrong. 
wrong enough to kind of warrant a community response and and a change in our attitude towards a particular person or a particular group. Then we moved on to the purpose of cancel culture and cancelling. And I think the way I framed it was that I think that the purpose of call-out culture, cancel culture, whatever you want to call it, the purpose is for a community to designate what it will stand for and what it won't stand for. And that I guess for the moment, cancelling calling out bad behavior, things that we don't agree with, things that we don't want to agree with, that is, that, that's just the language that we're using at the moment. And, you know, maybe if, if really, if people aren't happy with a word like cancel, we can like, we can swap it with something else. I feel like call out is, you know, a, a kind of a less aggressive alternative. Okay. And then we move to lessons. So, I think that one very important lesson that I I want to think about more and that I think that everyone should probably think about more is where the motivation where okay first of all where the community motivation for canceling and calling out comes from kind of what the utility of that is and I guess the utility I think is very clear and I've I keep repeating this the kind of motivation behind all of this kind of stuff, cancelling someone, calling behavior out, the motivation is to make, to move a community towards the ideals of social justice, equality, inclusivity, diversity, um, all of these things. So that that is one of the motivations of call out culture, cancel culture. And then I guess very briefly, and this is, I'll cover this more in the next episode, there is a kind of ideological question that people need to think about. And that is, when we hear that someone has been cancelled, when we hear that someone has done something wrong, and when and if what we want is a society where equality, freedom, safety, justice, all of these things are present, we shouldn't be responding primarily from a position of self-preservation. I think if that's the case, I'm afraid for kind of how genuine people's motivation to live in a society where kind of justice, equality, freedom are present. I'm worried about how true people's motivation to kind of forge a society like that actually is. Okay, I think that's covered a lot of ground. A lot of food for thought. Um, as I said at the beginning, uh, I just like to remind everyone that this, that the kind of content I'm going to be covering in this social justice series is, in some ways, constitutes emotional labor, and it's it's very difficult for me and very challenging for me as a racialized person to feel like there is pressure on me to be the one kind of demystifying this kind of stuff, making it clear what these things mean. And so I guess if you feel like this is something you should be paying for, there's a link in my bio to, in the bio of the podcast episode to PayPal and to Patreon. And then I want to remind everyone that I am always, always, always open to conversation and discussion and expanding 
um, expanding my own intellectual and ideological horizons and kind of, um, you know, talking to people about this kind of stuff, answering questions. I'm always here. Um, and I never want people to feel like what I'm saying is supreme law because that's not how I think about it. Um, I guess my aim in these episodes, one of the main aims is for me to clarify my own opinions about this kind of stuff and to figure out what I think is appropriate. But, you know, these are all just thoughts. These are all just opinions. Um, and I hope what I've said today is informative. I hope it's given you a a kind of different way of thinking about cancel culture and canceling and calling out. Um, and please do get in touch if you have any questions or if you have any thoughts. Um, my Instagram is at alexlistens and my email is contact at alex.co. Um, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time in either my next podcast episode or in the next episode of uh, the Social Justice series. Thanks for listening. I hope you're well and safe and I hope you're having a good day. Bye. Thank you.